just a wonderful, wonderful worship moment this, this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, and there's a little sermon insert, a little notes page. If you want to pull that out from the bulletin, I think it'll help us. And I'm going to ask our ushers, our ushers that helped with our offering, if they're back in, I'd like them to come and give me a little bit of help. I have something I want all of you to have this morning as we're getting started in this message. Gentlemen, there are four baskets here of oyster crackers. We're not taking communion, just be aware. Oyster crackers, I want everybody to have two or three in your hands, all right? So, gentlemen, if you'll just pass them around. Everybody take two or three oyster crackers and just kind of keep them in your hand there. And as we're passing those around and getting our crackers situated, I want you to begin thinking about something. I want you to begin imagining something. I want you to begin thinking about walking into your grandmother's house when she's baking fresh bread. Ooh. It's flour in the air. The heat of the oven is coming into the kitchen. There's that smell of golden brown goodness. Can I get an amen? amen. You, you know something's going on. You know something's being made. You smell that bread and immediately you're warm on the inside. You're, you're feeling joyful. You're feeling alive. Maybe, maybe your family wasn't a fresh bread family. Maybe your family was a hot biscuit family. It's early in the morning. You know that somebody's going to put on a fresh batch of biscuits and you walk in and you smell that butter just golden on those beautiful biscuits and, and you've seen the dough. It's kind of tossed here and scraps are left and you see the cup that was used to get the shape just right. But you know those biscuits are rising and they're just waiting for a little bit of butter. Oh boy. Well, well maybe, maybe you're not a biscuit family. Maybe you're a donut family. What's the best donut place in Elizabethtown? Uh, okay, I guess. Uh, maybe you're a donut person. You walk into that donut shop and, and you, you're, you're just waiting to get that hint of sugar, that rush. Now, you know donuts are made with hot oil. They're not baked. They're deep fried because that's more godly and <laughs> it's more right. Those donuts are just coming out of the hot oil. I love Krispy Kreme donuts when the now hot sign is on and I know that they're gonna be oozing with that glaze it looks like a fountain or a waterfall and those donuts are going under them and they're just going to come out so hot so tasty they just melt in your mouth fresh baked bread golden brown biscuits sugary donuts now put one of those oyster crackers in your mouth Are you happy with life right now? Are you a little dissatisfied? Are you a little disappointed? 
You were thinking of the aromas. You were thinking of the smells, the taste, the sugar, the butter, the goodness. And now in your mouth is a cracker. With barely any taste, barely any substance, no butter, maybe a little touch of salt. But are you really happy this morning? In Exodus chapter 16, God is teaching his people, and in doing so, teaching us something about heavenly bread. Bread that comes down from heaven. Bread that comes to his people. We're in a series called The Chef's Table, and we're talking about how God invites us into these moments where the metaphor of food sometimes is used. It's actually a powerful metaphor, and the scripture verse that's our theme verse for this series is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But when we go into the Old Testament, we see a picture where God is going to use something heavenly, a heavenly bread, to fill his people, but they're going to have some problems with that bread. They're going to be unsatisfied because it's not what they thought they deserved. And this morning, I would like to make some comparisons with the people of God then in Exodus 16 and we, God's people, now. Let me set the stage for us as we prepare this to read this text. In Exodus 16, we find Moses, the deliverer, has led the people of God out of Egypt. 450 years they have been in Egypt in slavery. And God, in his miraculous way, calls Moses from the burning bush, once a prince of Egypt, to now be the deliverer of his people. And he has come with the power of the plagues, has come with the word of God saying, let my people go. And eventually the Pharaoh relents and lets the people leave. And the people begin moving out into the wilderness, into the land of Sinai. It's been 45 days on the journey and something's starting to happen among the community. Something's starting to change among the people. Hundreds of thousands, some theologians say maybe three to four million, including children, the sick, the elderly, the infirm have all moved now for 45 days, a month and a half on the journey. And there's a grumbling that begins in the camp, a stirring that begins in the camp. And it's all over food. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse, five, verse 1, excuse me. The entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and the Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, 
you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Go down to verse 13. So at evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in your tent. So the Israelites did this. They gathered, some gathered a lot, some a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who had gathered a lot had no surplus and the person who had gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank. Therefore, Moses was angry with them. They gathered it every morning. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Verse 31. The house of Israel named the substance manna it resembled coriander seed was white and tasted like wafers with honey this morning i just want to make two comparisons to the people of god then and the people of god us today two commonalities i see two commonalities i think god wants us all to see The first commonality, the first similarity between them then and us today is they were remembering potted meat from the past. They were remembering potted meat from the past. Anybody like canned potted meat? Any spam lovers? Not many. They were remembering a time in the past when they were in Egypt when they had meat aplenty. The scripture says, as we look back in verse two and three, that they're grumbling. The entire community is grumbling against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And everyone is grumbling. Everyone is chiming in on how hungry they are. Think of it this way. They've moved now for 45 days into the desert. And and we read in the scripture the word wilderness. Friends, let me make sure you're clear in the geography This is not a forest. This is not a jungle. There are no trees and a canopy and moisture. I've been in this desert. Several years ago, my wife and I had the great privilege of journeying the route of the Israelites as they left Egypt, and we prayed the route that they took, praying that God's Spirit would return in this 
desolate land and rebirth churches that had been gone for centuries. But let me tell you, friends, where they are, there are no trees. There's no oasis of water. It's brown, hot, desert rock. Everywhere you look, you see nothing but more brown, hot, desert rock. Even when your mind plays tricks on you and you see a a little pool of water, a little palm tree, it's really not there. Even the sight of a bird flying by gives you hope that there's life somewhere, but it's not there. This desert is truly a desolate place, a complete wasteland of nothing but harsh living and thirst and sweat and sand. And the people are beginning to remember back when they were around the Nile River, when they were in the in the lush lands of Egypt, in the remembering of what they used to have. And and they've been on the journey now 45 days. Can you imagine, brothers and sisters, leaving today, let's say the 1st of February, and you're still walking until mid-March? You haven't seen anything but dirt and sand and hot for a month and a half. And bigger problems are finding their way into the life of the community. They're starting to get hungry. They have children who are hungry, families who are hungry. Famine, you would think, would begin to start being on the minds of everyone. They're starving and they begin to grumble. And so what happens, watch this, in verse 3 and 4, they start thinking about what they used to have. And tell Moses and Aaron, if you had just left us in the land of Egypt to die by God's good grace, at least then we would have had pots of meat and all the bread we could have ever had. But you brought us into this wilderness to make our whole community die of hunger. The people are remembering the meat and the bread. What they're forgetting are the whips and the chains. They're remembering the pots of meat that were filled to the brim. What they're not remembering is the mud pits they slogged in to be under the service of the slave master. Over time... Over time, they have forgotten the pain and now all they're thinking about is what they used to have. Friends, let me tell you. What they're experiencing happens to us today. Over time, we forget the hard days and only remember the good moments. Over time, we even can romanticize the past and forget what God is doing in our present. Uh, There was something that happened in my childhood that today is a good memory, but then it was not really a good idea. My father decided to take our family to Disney World. Anybody paid the Mickey tax in Orlando, Florida? This was in the... 80s, so it's been a few years ago, and we had two family vehicles, a pickup truck and another car, and really the other car wasn't substantial enough to get us the 
13 hours to Orlando, so my dad decided to take us in the truck. Now, this was before extended cabs and king cabs. It was a truck that he put a camper shell on, and you're getting the picture, aren't you? He decided to put a twin mattress in the bed of the truck with the camper shell on and said, boys, y'all riding back air. We're riding up front. Let's go to Disney. Now, I think that's illegal today. It's definitely immoral. (laughs) And it's definitely grounds for child protective services. But off we went, my brother and I, in the bed of a pickup truck with a twin mattress with no air conditioning. It was in the summer. You know how you got air? You rolled out the windows. Y'all remember those windows? We would go through drive-thrus of McDonald's and they'd open up the two little windows in the front of the cab and throw us a hamburger. (laughs) Off we go. 13 hours there, two days at Disney World and 13 hours back. Do you know, I look back now on that childhood memory and I think, oh, that was so much fun. We rode 13 hours in the bed of a pickup truck. That was not fun. But over time, we romanticize the past and we can't really understand what God's doing in the present. Let me tell you about something I've learned. In your walk with Jesus, in your journey with him, There are times when we're going to look back at a season in our life back then and, oh, it's going to have beautiful memories, beautiful sentiments. We're going to forget that there were actually good, hard moments then. And what Jesus wants us to do in our relationship with him today, what God wants us to do is, yes, appreciate those days, but begin to walk forward with him into the new season. To walk forward with him into the new era. To walk forward with him into the new opportunities. Cecilia Baptist Church, you may be like some churches that are just thinking about the good old days. And God is calling us to move forward into the new season he has for us. You may be looking at your own personal journey and you say, oh, Back then it was better. Back then it was sweeter. Back then it was more happy. Friends, let me tell you, God has a challenge for you today and that's to begin walking with him in this new phase of life. Don't linger on the potted meats of the past. Be excited that God has a daily provision for your future. He's got something more. He's got a place for you to go. He's got more for you to do. These people were longing and lingering on the past when actually it wasn't a great past in the first place. And God was their helper then, but God is now their helper forward. And he wants you just as he did then. He wants you to see him as your helper then, but he's got a plan for you for your future. They were lingering on pots of meat from the past. And so what does God do? The second commonality is that he gives them a daily test. He gives them a daily test. I loved what God does in this miraculous way. Their grumbling is heard. 
Their frustration is heard. They complain to Moses. They complain to Aaron. They've complained to each other. But more than anything else, they've complained to God. And God has a provision that he's going to display in a miraculous way. Look back at verse 4. God has a daily test. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they follow my instructions. Go down to verse 13. It says, in the morning there was a dew, a layer of dew all around the camp. And when that layer of dew evaporated, there were these fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as the frost of the ground. God is doing something miraculous, is he not? He's providing in a miraculous way, a supernatural way. He's providing in a way that never would have been thought of by any of those people. But in the morning time, as the dew settles on the desert, as the dew settles on this rock and on the sand, it's going to formulate into these fine flakes, flakes as, as soft as the dew could be. And, and as the sun rises, there's a moment of time where they can go and collect these, collect these things. They don't even know what they are. They name them, what is it? Which means manna. They just name it. We, we don't know. It's a whatchamacallit, a thingamajig. Who's he what? It's, it's, it's manna. They name it that because they don't have a clue what it is. They don't know where it comes from. And yet every morning, every morning it's there. Every morning it's for them to collect. And what I love about this is that if they collect too much, they get greedy, it goes bad. And if they didn't collect enough, God makes it so they have no shortage. Did you see that in the passage? And that they're collecting enough that even on the sixth day, because God wants to protect their Sabbath day, he makes it double portion so they can collect double so they don't have to collect on the holy day unto the Lord. And it's a daily collection. It's a daily collection of that manna. And they are to follow God's instructions and they are to follow God's design. They collect just enough for their people in their tent. They don't collect too much. They don't collect too little. They double collect on the day they're supposed to double collect. And every day it comes, every day it comes. You know, for how long? 40 years. More than 45 days. For years it comes. Friends, your God invites you to daily receive his provision. He invites you to daily follow his instructions. Our relationship with God at its most is a daily act of obedience. It's daily. And it's often by beginning to collect from him in the morning time. Receiving from him in the still morning hours. And it's collecting what you will need to survive that day. Uh, a brother told me earlier this morning, obedience 
is daily. Faithfulness is a long journey. There's an opportunity for you and I to interact with the God of the universe daily, to listen to his instructions daily, to obey him daily, to follow him daily, to receive from his hand his good provision daily. It reminds me of something that Jesus said in the model prayer. He says, pray this way, give us this day, what? Our daily bread. It's a daily following. What did he say in Luke whenever someone asked him, what must I do to follow you? He says, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Friends, God is inviting you into a daily relationship with him. And in this daily relationship, he is gonna provide and provide and provide as he provided for those people. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Your Father in heaven is inviting you into a daily receiving of his good gifts. And we are to walk with him on a daily basis. Well, as we close, I want to give you one final thought. And it's more of an invitation than anything else. If you still have your Bibles open, turn over to John chapter 6. I'd like to close on this. John chapter 6. The manna from heaven, it was God's provision to meet the physical hunger needs of the people. It proved that God's care and protection was available to those that he loved and cared for. But there's even a greater provision, a greater supply, a greater offering, a greater demonstration of God's love, God's care, God's power. And it's more than what is it manna? It's the true manna from heaven, the true heavenly bread. Scripture teaches us that we all die a physical death. We all have a limit to this mortal body, but there is something in us that is eternal, and that's our soul. And Jesus, the true bread of life, has come to save our souls and to provide a promise for all eternity. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 6, verse 47. Let this soak in today. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. Anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. You still have one of those oyster crackers. I invite you to eat it. It's satisfying now, isn't it? In the light of God's provision, in the light of God's gift, in the light of God's love, 
putting aside the potted meats of the past, but recognizing a daily provision, God gives to us something that's eternal, that's transformational, that will never sour, that will never go rotten, that will be supplying for your every soul for all eternity. And it's the bread of heaven. It's Jesus Christ, the bread who was broken so that we could have life in him. Glory to God, he provides for our needs. And most importantly, he provided Jesus for our eternal needs. It's the bread that we receive and that we take in. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this morning and I pray that in this spirit of invitation and response, if there be any who has yet to receive Jesus Christ as the bread of life, to believe upon him for eternal life, I pray that today they would trust him, believe in him, call upon his name. Maybe there are others, Lord, in this congregation that are stuck in a time past. They're remembering potted meats. And you're calling them to walk out of that, to live in a new season, to live in a new light. Pray today they would walk forward and commit themselves to you to journey. Maybe, Lord, there's just some that are struggling with that daily obedience, that daily faithfulness, receiving daily from you, from your word. Maybe this morning they just want to recommit to walking daily with you. Whatever your spirit is saying.